Hello and welcome to the First and Ten Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Feltz, here in Bloomington, Indiana. College football season is officially over. A week ago, Georgia defeated Alabama in my hometown of Indianapolis uh, to win the national championship at Lucas Oil Stadium. The dogs are on top for the first time in 41 years. So congrats to Georgia. But uh, college football season for us more or less ended about a week before at the Rose Bowl, I think was the last Big Ten game. Yeah, Rose wrong. The Rose Bowl of Ohio State and Utah was the last game. Uh, bowl season for the Big Ten is in the books, including one more game than what we previewed. Uh, five and seven Rutgers snuck into a bowl game and uh, and didn't look half bad. But uh, bowl season's in the books. The 2021 Big Ten season is a wrap. What a crazy season with so many unexpected turns and twists. Uh, definitely a lot of things I didn't see coming happen. And bowl season was just as fun as it's always been. And here to break it all down with me, his name is Reed Murray. Reed, what's going on? Hey, Patrick. Um, you know, after that uh, Ohio State Rose Bowl win, I'm excited to talk about the bowl games. Uh, you know, during that game, I was a little bit uh, – <clears throat> obviously, it was a frustrating game at first for Ohio State, but it was uh, – it turned out to be one of the one of the best college football games I've ever seen. And I agree. You know, we had some great bowl action this year from the Big Ten. Um, there were – multiple games i thought the big 10 team was going to lose in and then they turned out to win especially that maryland game i mean they blew the doors off of virginia tech but mm-hmm. you know lots of exciting bowl action lots did of i pick maryland twists i might have picked maryland i think you did i think i did um, pick I maryland I did. yeah because I, I thought it was zombie virginia tech because they had an interim coach yeah but i mean tons of exciting big 10 bowl action uh the mm-hmm. conference did you know not perfect but they did pretty well i think yeah. better than i expected and you know time to reflect on a great season and I think we need to get into the most exciting game of bowl season for the Big Ten first, and that's the Rose Bowl game. Ohio State defeating Utah in Pasadena in an instant classic. The minute that game ended, you knew that's a game you're going to look back on, no matter who you're a fan of, and say, remember that 2022 Rose Bowl when Ohio State and Utah scored a billion points and Jackson Smith and Jigba had the game of his life? Remember that? Uh, I certainly remember it, and I don't think I'm ever going to forget it because what we saw that New Year's Day in Pasadena – was something I out of a storybook, right? You know, Ohio State down its top two receivers, no Chris Olave, no Garrett Wilson. Yeah, it, there were the the talks of Ohio State has nothing to play for, whatever. Um, plenty of Ryan Day coaching rumors about the NFL and whatever. Forget about all that. The two teams step out on the field. Utah takes a pretty big early lead, two touchdowns, and uh, it looks like Ohio State might be down and out. Obviously, Smith and Jigba had been having a really good game. Then he fumbles in the end zone. Uh, Utah recovers. There was the kick return by Britton Covey, who uh, spent about a decade at Utah, and I think his time has ended. Actually, fun fact about Britton Covey, his first game at Utah was actually Harbaugh's first game at Michigan. Wow. Yeah, that's how long he was there. Uh, and now he's done. So uh, he has the kick return touchdown. Ohio State looks down. And then Jackson Smith and Jigba a first and 10 legend, a guy we have been telling you about since the first year of this show, since before he stepped foot on campus in Columbus, when he was a recruit, when everybody was saying Julian Fleming, Julian Fleming, Julian Fleming during the Ohio state recruiting cycle, a guy RJM told you there is crystal ball was going to be a special player for Ohio state. And damn it. He had the best bowl game a receiver has ever had anytime, anywhere ever. I don't think I've ever seen a performance like that in the postseason of, of college football in my life from any player at any position and certainly something we're not going to see again anytime soon. Uh, Cause it took that long for it to happen. 
Jackson Smith and Jigba still got a year left in Columbus. And yet I think he's already cemented himself as the best Ohio state receiver I've seen in, in my lifetime, the, uh, <laughs> which sounds insane because there've been so many good receivers and Olave had a really consistent career. I would have said Olave before the last, I would, I don't know, six games of JSN, but JSN really, really improved those last the back half of the season, I think he was a better player than Alave, a more talented player than Alave. He doesn't have the the complete record of, of a guy like Alave or, or Garrett Wilson or, I don't know, you can name as many of them as you'd like. Uh, but in terms of pure talent and execution on the field, I don't think we've seen a guy at Ohio State do what Chris Alave's done. It, it, or not Chris Alave, excuse me, uh, what Jackson Smithajig was done as a sophomore. And, and that game against Utah was – it might've been his national coming out party. I think nationally, a lot of people might not have known the name. And, uh, and that was the one that really put him on the map. But to those of you who've been watching Ohio state all season long, this game has been coming for a long, long time. And, and seeing that happen, I I've not seen Ohio state player do anything like that ever. It was unheard of what a performance from Reed Murray's guy. Yeah. You know, when you, when you talk about how that game was coming, the game had almost already came because JSN has the number one and number three uh, spots in the most single single game receiving yards of an Ohio State receiver, the Nebraska mm-hmm. game, he went off. Yeah, yeah that game too. That's what, that's what I'm thinking. Really, ever since about the midpoint of the season, he has been firing on all cylinders. It, it's truly remarkable what he's been able to do this year. And, and it's crazy to think. We've still got another year of him in the system, plus Marvin Harrison Jr., who had a great Rose Bowl, plus – uh, Julian Fleming, who still hasn't shown a ton, but he's obviously a really talented player. And then Reed, Ohio State might be better next season. I think we can get to that in a little bit, but um, like Buka too. Uh, yeah, talk about JSN though, please. I, I think we need to harp on this some more because what he's done has been spectacular. Well, when, when you talk about me having seen this coming for a while, um, you're absolutely right about that because – and this is something I will always, just like my Minnesota pick um, in the 2019 season and the Purdue losing by a field goal to Nevada pick uh, in week one, that's that's an Classic. eerily, you know, that, that's a pick that I'll never shut up about because I got that one about as right as you could have possibly gotten it. But when during that 2019 season when JSN was getting recruited to Ohio State and when he eventually committed, I was so excited about him because he he didn't get the kind of, attention that Fleming got I me mean, still got plenty of attention from the fan base and from national mm-hmm. recruiting experts but he wasn't seen as the guy that Ohio from this Ohio State yeah, it was wide receiving mm-hmm. recruiting class it was Fleming was the guy who was getting all the attention and you know I don't take any credit away from Fleming but he has not turned I mean, it's pretty clear he's not turned into the player that JSN is at this point and I don't know if I, I feel like we might have talked about this at some point in the podcast and it would, but it would take too long to go and find it. And it, I may have just told you about this on a private phone call and not on the podcast, but, and I actually had even forgot about this until you texted me during the Rose bowl. Uh, or maybe it was after the Rose bowl. This Either is a classic, way. by the way, this is, I think this was in a private conversation between me and Reed in about July, 2020, I, I think. Yeah, so, it, uh, it was in it was uh, in July, 2020, because I remember the uh, surgery was June 30th. So, mm-hmm. June 30th, or maybe it was 29th, whatever, late, late June, 2020, 2020, it was was, 2020. Yeah. I was having surgery on my elbow and while they were giving me the 
Uh, I thought it was anesthesia. dental surgery, but yeah, it was, it was elbow. That's right. Yeah. It was elbow surgery while yeah. they were giving me the anesthesia. Um, as I was fading in and out of consciousness, I was talking about, um, <laughs> Ohio state receivers because I'm pretty sure my mom had asked me about Ohio state just because she knew I wouldn't be able to shut up about it. And that way I would <laughs> fall asleep easy. You know, when, when you're getting that kind of stuff, when you're getting anesthesia, you start talking a bunch and then that helps you, mm-hmm. uh, ease into your rest. And so she knew I, I would, I would have a lot to say about that. Um, and I was talking about how, how big of a fan I am of Olave and Wilson and how excited I was for Jackson Smith and Jigba. And I, if I wasn't brought to tears, I was nearly you were, to no, tears. You, you told me you were, you were crying. You were like, I love Jackson Smith and Jigba so much. He's going to be so good. He's going to be the best receiver Ohio state's ever seen. Even <laughs> no, I don't know if I'd, I'd gone that far. Cause at that point I thought Olave would be the best receiver. Yeah. I know you, you were saying but, you were, you were saying a lot. You, I mean, he, he moved you to tears. He did. You know, thinking about that trio of Wilson, Olave, and JSN, and this is before mm-hmm. JSN had ever set, or he had set foot in Columbus, but this is before he had put on an Ohio State uniform to go play a game. Mm-hmm. I was talking about the kind of player he's going to be, and it feels so cool to see that actually turn into reality. Um, I remember watching his highlights from, you know, his Texas high school football playoffs and thinking you know seeing what, what kind of incredible catches he could make what an incredible athlete he was and just to go see him actually succeed like i thought he would it's super cool and, and even um, in in that first game of his career against nebraska he made that toe tapping catch in the back of the end zone and this is a guy who's been producing since day one for ohio state yeah, that, and that, that's a catch really that, you know i've seen that catch on instagram a million times mm-hmm. and that's the kind of play it's it's kind of like it's it's not at the level of odell beckham's one-handed catch obviously but it's like one of those where you know, no matter what Smith and Jigba ends up doing in his career, how far he goes in the professional football or whatever, people are always getting, going to know that play and that play it's is always going to be, on gonna his, be posted at least, everywhere. At least for Ohio State fans, the Big Ten football fans, that's always going to be on his career highlight reel. Because I think this is a guy who's probably going to be an NFL superstar at some point. But, you know, when, when it's all said and done for him, that's that's one of the first plays he'll show in his career highlight reel. It's such an incredible play. And then right after that, it's going to be remember his Rose Bowl and uh, – and that's the beauty of the Rose Bowl. It's such a ubiquitous game in the sport. There, there, you can say the year, you can say the team, you can say, remember this, and everybody knows it. It's just such a, a cultural touchstone for college football fans. I, I love the Rose Bowl. It always makes me so happy every year. Uh, and the coolest thing about the Rose Bowl is I would say the Ohio State-Utah Rose Bowl is the best one I've ever seen. But, like, in the last five, it, it, there is debate about whether or not it's even the best in the last five years. Because yeah, because like, Oklahoma it, game, Penn State, Penn State, USC. State USC game. Mm-hmm. I mean, there have been some fantastic Rose Bowls in recent history. I mean, yeah. you could – I would say – and, of course, I can't speak for all-time Rose Bowl because the Rose Bowl is such a historic game. Oh, and you, I have was to think, a, you have to think I wasn't alive things. for Obviously, a lot of history. Uh, Texas and USC. Yeah. yeah. You, know, you know, well, actually, that was a national championship game. Uh, not, I, I count it. I kind of count it in the same vein since it was in the in the stadium, you know? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Or actually, that, that one might have been back when they called the Rose Bowl the championship. I don't know. Um, that, that one, I actually come to think of, it, I think that was a Rose bowl. Either I think way. it was. Yeah. yeah. I always hear it called the Texas USC Rose bowl. So yeah, no, that's right. I was thinking of, I think it was the Texas Alabama national championship that was called the national championship game in the Rose bowl. Yes. Either way, um, you know, going off on a tangent here, um, you know, I can't speak for his, the, the entire history of the Rose bowl, but I would call the Ohio state Utah Rose bowl, the best one I've seen in my life. 
I mean, if if you were to say that that's the third best game in the last, you know, six or so years, however long it's been since the USC Penn State game, huh. I wouldn't really argue with you too hard because I think it's a fair take too. Yeah. Years. You know, it, it, it always, I shouldn't say always, it almost always brings a fantastic game. Mm-hmm. Um, when I say almost, I'm thinking of that Stanford Iowa game where Stanford just beat the doorknobs <laughs> off Iowa. I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of last year when it was Alabama, Notre Dame in oh, yeah. Jerry World. Yeah, that doesn't count as a Rose Bowl, though. Yeah, that, that's just a Cotton Bowl part two in my eyes. Uh-huh. But that's that's the unnamed playoff semifinal. Exactly. Yeah. Um, worst, but, uh, worst Rose Bowl of all time. But yeah, to go from absolutely. that last year to this this year, night and day. It, it was incredible. Now, Reed, real quick before we move on to some other games, uh, namely, I think we're going to move on to Michigan next, talk about their playoff defeat at the hands of the national champion Georgia Bulldogs. Could Ohio State be even better on offense next year. I, I think the defense is going to improve no matter what. That's not even a question, but is it crazy to say that with Olave and Wilson gone, the Ohio State offense will actually be better than it was last year? It's not crazy to say that because it's true. Mm-hmm. It will be better next year. Yeah. Because, you know, Smith and Jigba is going to have a lot more space to put up his, the ridiculous video game stat lines that he put up in the Rose Bowl and the Nebraska game and a few other games. Um, <clears throat> he's going to get the ball more often. Um, I, and I still think the other receivers in the Ohio State team, they'll get plenty of good stats. They'll put on some incredible performances. You know, it's we talk about the depth of the Ohio State wide receiving core this season. That depth is still there next year. You know, it's just player after player. Um, it, you know, next man up is, is always going to perform well, as we saw in the Rose Bowl game. But I think you have – the, the biggest thing that's going to help the Ohio State offense take a, a step forward is just a, a more experienced C.J. Stroud because we had seen in the past, you know, earlier in this season in big games and in games where things didn't go his way right off the bat, Stroud had struggled. Now here's a game against a solid Utah team, you know, first couple drives, things don't really get going. So he, he's facing a pretty good team. And he's, he's dealing with the diversity. All of a sudden, Stroud puts up, you know, 500, 500 passing yards. I want to say, what was it? Six touchdowns. Um, maybe I'm getting that stat line wrong. By the way, he puts up this ridiculous stat line. He, he continues to find his man, Smith and Jigba. And, and they have some of the best chemistry in college football, I'll say. But, uh, you know, he, he continues to play well. I think having a Stroud who has a year under his belt, that's going to be enormous for an Ohio State team. That's exactly what you want because Stroud, he was a pretty talented player. He did some great things for Ohio State this year, but you could tell that he was a freshman with some of the decisions he made and just, you know, you can't expect too much from a young player. And that's just what he was. He was a young player. Now a year under his belt, a whole other offseason with Ryan Day. He's one of the best quarterback coaches in the country. Um, I like that a lot. Similar situation with Travion Henderson. He was one of the best backs in the country last year as a true freshman. Now here he is going into his sophomore year kind of a J.K. Dobbins situation where he comes in, excels his freshman year, and then in the next two years, he could become an, a whole new monster at running back. So I think, you know, this has been my bold prediction that I've shared with, you know, some relatives and with you, not on the podcast. But I think next year, Ohio State has best quarterback in the country, best running back in the country, and best wide receiver in the country. And, of course, th- th- those are, you know, you can dispute those, but either way, their quarterback, running back, and top receiver are – Un, indisputably um, within the top five in the nation. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be pretty hard to make a case that, that any of those guys are not top five players at, at their respective positions. It'd have to be an RJ Young level take. 
Yeah, seriously, it, you'd <laughs> have to. It would have to be a UTSA in the top four uh, type of bizarre take to argue that. Um, but I think the offense improves, and I think with Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ibuka as the next two wide receivers. I mean, plus Fleming, like we were saying, he was the guy who was he was talked about as you know the wide receiver from the recruiting class that had him, a few others, and, you know, most, most importantly, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Mm-hmm. I don't even consider him to be a top three guy in the wide receiving unit this season. I mean, no, I, I, I agree. Time, I, he'll do well, but yeah, I would, I definitely I would, rate, have, I would rate Jason Marvin Harrison jr. And Ibuka over him. Yeah. And, and the thing too, with, with Emeka Ibuka is you can tell a play, a wide receiver at Ohio state is going to be good if he, has returned punts or kicks for yes, Ohio State in his yes, career. You know, it's kind of like the the kick returner to star receiver pipeline. We saw Garrett Wilson go down that pipeline, and I think it's, it's going to happen again with the Buka. Um, the kid has all kinds of skill, and you know, once he gets the ball more often, is more part of the more regular rotation. I think he can uh, step into a starting role and do well there. Mm-hmm. So, offense improves in my eyes. Which again, it, it sounds bizarre at first when you think about Olave and Wilson, two Ohio State greats, being gone. But yeah, those will be first round picks. And, yeah, I mean, uh, two two first round pick receivers and gone. Ohio State's not going to blink. But yeah, you know that that's that's the beauty of having a freshman running back and a freshman quarterback is that you know no matter how well they do, they're likely going to do better next year. Mm-hmm. So. I think the Ohio State team improves. And when you look at some of the hires they made on defense, um, namely at the safeties coach and defensive coordinator positions, it's it would be hard for the defense to get worse or even stay the same. I think, you know, the defense doesn't have – they don't have to be world beaters next year. They just have to get a little bit better, and I think they'll get more than a little bit better in this offseason. So I'm feeling optimistic about Ohio State. And one last thing I want to say about the Rose Bowl is that um, it was just – the beauty of this game is that it was such a back and forth game where, you know, you typically you see a 14 point deficit in the second quarter and you're thinking, Oh, that's not a big deal. You know, that's easy to overcome, but this is a game where, you know, for, for a good stretch of play, every single possession was a touchdown. So, you know, once you score a touchdown, you're feeling good. You give one away and it feels like the end of the world where, okay, we have no chance of coming back. We're down, you know, 35 to 21. We don't, we don't have a chance. And it was just constant nonstop drama, Ohio state backs against the wall, you know, in this ping pong style game of football, we're just going back and forth, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. They found a way to prevail. This is the kind of game you show to somebody to convince them to to watch football. Mm -hmm. This, this goes in the category of the Georgia, Oklahoma Rose bowl, the Penn state USC Rose bowl, the, classic Baylor TCU game from 2014, the Ohio state Penn state game from 2017, um, the Ohio state Penn state game from 2016. If you're a big fan can of upsets, I, can I throw in the Indiana Penn state last five minutes, 2020, of course you can. That yes, was, can. A, you thank know, you. <laughs> classic late game thriller. These are the kind of games you show to a non-college football fan to say, this is why you need to watch the sport. Mm-hmm. What an absolute classic Ohio state, Utah turned out to be. And, that that's a game that you know although it was number six versus number 11 ohio state was the favorite and that one that's the kind of game i'm going to be watching the highlights of and hopefully the the compressed 30 minutes version of for years to come yes what a game. Uh, i'm just gonna put it out there one one last time uh i got to do some cool stuff at the college football playoff this year obviously in indianapolis my hometown uh 
I talked to a lot of media types about this question. I just floated Ohio State national champion next year. That's my pick. I'm saying it right now. Uh, people who know football, I think better than I know football even, I would say, just some, some really influential college football media types, they were in on that too. There were people telling me, yeah, Ohio State has everything in place to win a national championship next year. You know, they, they, they are going to be, if not the favorite, one of the three teams, I think, who, who will be a favorite to win the national championship. Them, maybe Alabama and Georgia. Uh, and among those, I think Ohio State has got what it takes because the defense is going to get better and the offense, I think, is going to get better too. And the offense was already the best in the country. So uh, I would say the only thing that, that can come in Ohio State's way – actually, I shouldn't say the only thing. The biggest obstacle for Ohio State, I think, is going to be their schedule. They have some tough opponents. Yeah, but Notre Dame. You know, if you can get by Notre Dame, Michigan, and a handful of other top mm-hmm. teams. MSU, Penn State. Yeah, I would be worried if I was a team going against Ohio State. Um, Especially you know, in the shoe. Potentially in the postseason and, game. And Michigan and Notre Dame are at home. That's true. That is, that's an important mm-hmm. factor to consider. Yeah. Those that are Notre Dame be, game is going to be a thriller. That, 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 that could be a potential. Um, you know, I, I think know. after I don't that trust. Festival, I don't know. I don't trust Notre Dame on the road. I don't. I'm not saying Notre Dame is going to win, but I'm saying that's going to be a that's a, that's about as good of a week one game as you oh, can ask yeah. for. Oh yeah. You know, um, teams. You know, it's two like of the, the biggest fan bases in the, the sport. It's the Midwest Super Bowl. Exactly. You uh-huh. know, two two of the teams from the same geographical area. Two of the biggest fan bases in the sport. With you know both teams who never play. Who never, never play, play each other, other unless campus. it's in, in an odd bowl game and here yeah, or there. Uh-huh. And they're both the favored to be ago. better this year than they were last year. Mm-hmm. Um, Actually, I don't know if Notre Dame will be better next year, but the, your point stands. But, um, pe- but people are in, are in on Notre Dame. People are feeling optimistic about them. Uh-huh. And there's reason, too. Obviously, they've got Brandon exactly. Joseph coming in. but uh, And, of course, a new head coach in Marcus Freeman, who people love, myself included. So, yeah, what a week one game. That's going to be fun. I don't, I, I'm hoping that gets Saturday Night Football in Columbus, but uh, I've got a feeling that that's going to be big new kickoff. I agree. Yeah. Okay, well, that's a lot of Rose Bowl talk, but I think we needed to get all that Rose Bowl talk out because that was one of the best games of college football I've ever watched, and I think everybody listening to this podcast agrees that the 2022 Rose Bowl game was an iconic game of football and one that soon will not be forgotten. On the flip side of that, here's a football game that will soon be forgotten. Uh, the Michigan Wolverines have gone down in infamy in college football playoff history with the likes of Michigan State and Washington and Cincinnati and et cetera, et cetera, of the one-and-done playoff team, at least one-and-done so far. Michigan could obviously make it back. The one-off playoff team who gets crushed by an eventual national champion. Yeah, Michigan went into that game. I said Michigan was going to win that game. I thought Alabama cracked Georgia. I thought Georgia was toast. I was dead wrong. Michigan was outclassed in every sense of the word. Michigan was not in that game for five seconds. What a disgusting performance for Michigan. I I legitimately think, uh, you know, obviously this was a great season for Michigan. You know, you win 12 games, win the Big Ten, beat Ohio State. You can't ask for much more out out of Jim Harbaugh. I think that was pretty much a perfect season for them. Obviously you want to win your bowl game. You want to win the national title. If you're, you've got the opportunity, you're in the college football playoff, but that game felt like everything just crashed. You know, I, 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 I didn't expect Michigan to do much to come into the season. That looked like the Michigan team I expected week one and not the Michigan team I expected 
after the Big Ten championship game. That that looked like preseason Michigan, seven and five Michigan. Uh, Cade McNamara being a mid quarterback, the defense having the same defensive back issues that it's always had. Uh, th- that were fixed this year for the most part. But a lot of those issues from the 2020 Don Brown defensive unit really reared their ugly heads in that game. Georgia picked him apart on both sides of the ball. And, and yeah, the offensive line, that was the other thing. That, that was an issue for Michigan in 2020. It collapsed down on itself, obviously, against one of the best defensive lines in college football we've ever seen. But uh, Jordan Davis and Georgia feasted on Michigan. It wasn't even a game. Uh Really, the only thing I'm going to remember from this game is post-game. A friend of mine, uh, a photographer, a student journalist, her name is Catherine uh, Skian, if I'm pronouncing her name correctly. I, I met her in Indianapolis at the uh, the national championship game. Uh, she takes pictures for the red and black at the student paper at the University of Georgia as a co-worker of a friend of the program, Jack Duffy. Uh, she took a picture of Jordan Davis with an orange in his hand after the orange bowl. And it looks so tiny. It, it looks like a ping pong ball or like a, like a full size orange. It looks like a ping pong ball in his hand. It's, it's incredible. It's so crazy how big he is and how big all of those players are. Uh, you kind of forget when you're watching the games that, Oh yeah, these are superhumans. Uh, they are giants. They're gods amongst men. And, uh, and he really showed that, but yeah. Um, that's the only thing I'm going to remember from this game. Michigan got shellacked and uh, it was a forgettable game in, in every single respect. It wasn't even like an interesting blowout where Georgia was doing these crazy things and, and one-upping themselves their possession. No, it was just a thorough shellacking and, and it was a pretty boring game from start to finish. And uh, really another reminder that the four-team college football playoff is broken. Yeah, and I mean – people who want to say that the, that the group of five doesn't deserve to get in the playoff um, after Cincinnati fought hard and really gave Alabama a game, they for, should go a lot of that. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Because um, first of all, I'll say with regards to Cincinnati, I know Cincinnati is not a big 10 team. It's not what we're here to talk about, but um, Cincinnati played, you know, apart from the truly you know, apart from the playoff classics, um, like the, you know, the Georgia Oklahoma game, the Alabama Ohio state game, that was one of the best losses I've seen in the playoff because if Cincinnati doesn't make a few mistakes on offense that are avoidable and, you know, does it makes it does a few small things differently. You're looking at a one possession game in the fourth quarter. And Basically mediocre, mediocre quarterback play from Desmond Ritter or slightly above average. I would say he was mediocre at best for most of the season, but I, I was I was not in on Desmond Ritter this year, by the way. I, I thought he was pretty bad for most of the year. But uh, Desmond Ritter was like a, a little above average in the Alabama game, or C- Cincinnati would have had a shot in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I think so too. And, you know, mm-hmm. they fought much harder than I've seen other teams in, in playoff semifinals fight. Um, and even though I was rooting against Michigan, I was kind of disappointed to see sort of the – not quite the opposite of that, but like Michigan's Michigan just didn't compare to Cincinnati in this playoff. Um, they didn't, you know, after they had taken a few punches early, they didn't look like they wanted to be there enough. They didn't look like, I don't know. Just since, since the first drive of the game, they just didn't look like they had a chance. They just looked defeated from the get go. 
um, they looked like Ohio State in the Clemson game in 2016. And that was a game where, you know, after, you know, a, a missed field goal in the first drive for Ohio State and, you know, after a couple of missed opportunities, Ohio State flat out looked beaten for the entire rest of the game. It was the same way with Michigan. Once they, once a few things didn't go their way, you just never felt that they had a chance. And, you know, at every, it, it reflected badly on the conference and, you know, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I'm not going to get too fed up about that. I'm not, I'm not going to lose too much sleep over how the big 10 looked in a playoff game because at the end of the day, the big 10 has already embarrassed itself enough in the, in the playoff with Michigan state's horrible loss to Alabama, Ohio state's horrible loss to Clemson and that one bowl or in that uh, one fiesta bowl. But um, I, I just feel for Michigan fans because at a certain point, it, it just feels like for Michigan that, it, it, things may never go their way because, you know, after a decade of losing to Ohio state, they finally beat Ohio state. They finally, I mean, they killed Iowa in that big 10 championship. They, it finally looks like they're going to, you know, they, they have a chance at a championship and then they don't even, they weren't even in that game at all. And you just feel if, if it didn't happen now, if they didn't at least compete, if they didn't at least put up for a, a fight, they didn't hang. Yeah, exactly. They didn't hang at all. You feel like, you know, if they don't hang at the very least, I I would be feeling pretty pessimistic as a Michigan fan. If, I don't know. Is it ever going I, to uh, I, But I, at, at the same time, I did not think in the preseason that this roster could even make like a New Year's Six game or make like a Citrus Bowl. I thought and this that's roster, true. I thought that's this true. roster was destined for seven and five at best. And they made the damn playoff. That's impressive. And I, I think if you are a Michigan fan – when you look at that from the other perspective, you say is when you have a more talented roster in a couple of years, when, when the recruiting classes start to pick up and some of these young guys, because I think they have prospects, when those young guys start to fill in for some mediocre older players, like when you replace it, a Cade McNamara, who's okay with a guy like JJ McCarthy, who has a ton of potential at quarterback and in a couple of the other positions too, you start, you start to get more talent in there, particularly at receiver. Um, and, and yeah, there's a Michigan team that didn't have Ronnie Bell for most of the year. Uh, you get more talent in those positions for Michigan. Maybe they can go have another season like this. Who says they can't? Uh, yes. All I'm saying though, is, you know, on Georgia's schedule, um, Tennessee gave them a good fight. They gave Georgia a run for the money for a, a good little bit. Florida before the end, before that first half, you know, where everything fell apart late in the second quarter, Florida was looking strong against Georgia. Michigan didn't show they, they, they showed few signs of strength at all. And, you know, even with the roster that came in the season, but yes, I agree. The fact that they were able to beat Ohio state, win the big 10, that's a fantastic feat. And that's Harbaugh's best coaching job, but it, it just feels like you just, you just expected a little bit more, I think in a game yeah. this big, you expect. And I said, on, on yeah, the they didn't, they didn't show up at the stadium. Said, yeah. I said in this, and I said this after you picked Michigan, I said, Michigan has a track record of in big games, especially big bowl games. Um, well, I mean, but on the biggest stages, Michigan tends to fall apart. And that's exactly what happened. And I, I just, I don't know. Actually, I'm, I'm not going to go. I'm actually going to stop myself before I go down this road of saying things are never going to change for Michigan. Because that's what I said in our Michigan preview of that, you know, that Ohio State's going to beat them for the next five to 10 years. And, and, they're not, and then next thing you know, Michigan beats Ohio State. So um, I may be jinxing Michigan into a 2022 
2023 national championship. Um, I'm going to stop myself. Be careful, here, Reed. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I just think, you know, people complain all the time about the, the, the playoff having bad games. You know, this was supposed to be the one where this two, three game is going to do, is going to be this legendary playoff game. It's going to be up there with Oklahoma, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio state. And then Michigan just looked like an eight and four team out there. Yeah, they looked, they looked okay at best. Up. Okay at best. I think that was how I would sum it up. Let's talk about some other okay teams. Let's talk about some of the mid-tier bowl games. I think we've done enough Michigan talk. Uh, there's only so much you can say about the most boring 34 to 11 game I've ever watched. It was 34 to 11. That was a score, right? That was off the – that was It off felt the, like it was about 94 to 11. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, disgusting, disgusting, disgusting game, and uh, one I never want to think about again. So – couple other games here in the Big Ten. A lot of bowl games, actually, to talk about. Uh, first one I want to talk about, I want to get this out of the way first. Rutgers, 5-7, and seven, because of their academic rating, gets to slot in to uh, be the first 5-7 and seven team eligible for a bowl. Uh, so shout-out to Rutgers for, for going hard in the classroom. Uh, they slot in. They play Wake Forest in the Gator Bowl. By the way, the best bowl game Rutgers has ever played in is the Gator Bowl. Just look at their, <laughs> look at their history. I'm not kidding. Uh, so falling basically, you know, backwards into the <laughs> the gator bowl uh was all in all a pretty awesome uh moment for them but uh it, it felt like for a little bit Rutgers competed I think in that first half it was a pretty good game and, and even into the the fourth quarter Rutgers was, was still in it they, they just couldn't really get the offense rolling and in the fourth quarter Wake just crushed them and uh and it wasn't a game anymore. And uh, and Rutgers looked outmatched. They looked like a team who hadn't practiced in, in three weeks and a team who was five and seven going up against a team that won 10 games. For every for all intents and purposes, Rutgers had no business being in that game. Well, I mean, and yet they, they, they yeah, they were okay a five though. and seven team. At they a, had no yeah. business being in it. And yet they look they look kind of okay for what you expected. I would say for yeah. a team that was five and seven who got placed into a bowl game that they didn't qualify for um, against a pretty good Wake Forest team, I thought Rutgers did a good job. Mm -hmm. I thought they impressed me. Obviously, you know, it, things didn't go their way. They lost by a pretty big score. But they competed. I, I thought they fought hard. I thought they competed well for a team. Like you said, hadn't, hadn't been practicing for weeks. Five and seven, non-bowl eligible, going against the number 17 team in the country. They impressed me. And I think that's a positive sign for future Rutgers teams. That's something they can build on and say, look, yeah, we, we lost this team, but Hey, these guys, you know, that that's something that Shiano and the rest of the coaching staff, they can pat the players who played in this game on the back and say, look, these guys, the, you know, it, it, it was never going to be easy going into this bowl game against wake forest, um, a strong team after mm -hmm. everyone thought the season was over. These guys stepped up. They did a good job. They, um, you know, reflect, reflected our program. Well, the, those are good role models for the young guys and the team to look up to. Um, I, I think it's a good sign for the future for Rutgers that, that they were able to take this challenge. You know, they, they took it head on and they didn't just roll over and die. They, the, the score, they could have easily lost this game, you know, 64 to nothing or whatever. Mm. And they, they, they weren't bad. They, they weren't horrible. They, they impressed me. Yeah, I agree. They, they, they at least had a pulse for most of the game. Something you can't say about Michigan. But uh, all right, next game I want to talk about. Uh, this game feels like it's in the same vein as uh, as the uh, 
the Rose Bowl where it's a game you're just going to remember forever. Tennessee and Purdue in the Music City Bowl this year. What an unbelievable game. This thing was so fun. It felt like teams were scoring touchdowns every five seconds. You couldn't, you, you blink and you miss it, right? Uh, a high scoring, high shooting, highfalutin, as, as we would say, game of football. It, it felt like that Baylor TCU game uh, from a couple of years ago that Reed always likes to talk about. But uh, a controversial ending, Tennessee marked short on fourth down when, honestly, you know what they should have done was run the ball on the goal line on first or second down. Uh, and then they wouldn't have had to worry about it. But uh, Tennessee marked short when I think they scored. But uh, all in all, just a really exciting game and a, a big win for Purdue. Purdue won nine games this year. Really impressive season from them. And, and a year I didn't expect it. And looking at next year for Purdue, I think there's no reason they can't be even better. This is an impressive win against what turned out to be a pretty good Tennessee team uh, in a hostile, basically road environment in Nashville. Uh against an sec team yeah and and they didn't have their two best players no ron or uh, rondell moore excuse me <laughs> no david bell obviously they had no rondell moore i'm used to saying that from talking about purdue over the years of being like yeah purdue doesn't have rondell moore though wait until he comes back and then he just never came back but uh no david bell no george Karloftis. purdue still found a way to win in an absolute thriller yeah you know i, I think it was it was a great sight to see nissan stadium rocking um that's right you know, in Purdue, that's a big challenge to, you know, with, like you said, basically a road game without their two best players. Once again, great fighting spirit from a Big Ten team in the bowl game. Um, Rutgers, I thought they fought well, and Purdue absolutely, they stepped up to a difficult challenge. They ended up winning. And you know what? This is the first and 10 controversy hour. I'm going to be the one to say it. Wasn't a touchdown. The, the, the ruling on the field for the Tennessee, no touchdown completely fair you don't know why they said you know people talk about the whistle being blown blah 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 blah. whistle being blown is not a factor here it's the forward progress being stopped people say well he was still moving forward and he and the ball was across the goal line before he was down and he was down he was when he got taken to the ground he was on top of a purdue player it is true that when he was taken down he was on top of a purdue player he was still fighting however there was a point in his movement where he, with, with his own, um, you know, with his own body and his own force, could not move any further. And it took his teammate pulling him into the end zone, grabbing him by the shoulder pads and pulling him in to score a touchdown. If, if that teammate's not there to pull him in, he's not going any further. Any, any, any further motion from that point is from somebody who was ahead of him in the end zone, which is against the rules. His forward progress, he couldn't go any further on his own. He is down, short of the goal line, no touchdown. Purdue gets the ball. You know what I say to that? Even if the call was unfair, you take the points in overtime. You don't go for two, or you, you don't go for it on fourth down twice in a bowl game. Most likely, if you kick a field goal, you can probably stop Purdue and force them to kick a field goal too. It was stupid of them to go for it on fourth down the first time. It was stupid of them to do it the second time. That's what you get. Yeah. But regardless, whether the call, you know, or, or, or whether you think they should have kicked the field goal or not, I think his forward progress was stopped. He's down. No touchdown. Correct call. Correct call, according to Reed. Hot take, fun take. Uh, let's talk about a little more of this game. Reed, when I look at Purdue next year, number one, can I, I, I like to do the schedule breakdown just really, really quick uh, for Purdue next year. 
this schedule is Charmin soft. It is a soft schedule. So week one, they play Penn State at home. That's tough. Uh, but then they go Indiana State, Syracuse, Florida Atlantic, Minnesota, Maryland, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Iowa, Illinois, Northwestern, Indiana. So they dodge Michigan, Ohio State, and Michigan State. And their non-conference is Syracuse, Florida Atlantic, and Indiana State. This seems like a Purdue team that even without George Karloftis and without David Bell can win like nine or ten games and maybe win the Big Ten West. Is that crazy? I don't think so at all. Like you said, you described yeah. it as Charmin Soft. Um, I think so. I mean, it, it'll feel weird without those guys. And, you know, I think they'll totally get overhyped. Yeah. But and, and Purdue's got players who are going to fill in and, and, and replace those guys. George Karloftis has a younger brother who I think could be every bit as good as, as the older brother. Uh, certainly has the physical tools for it. And, and Purdue's got receivers. Melton Wright, in, in particular, is a guy who's shown out a lot. I know Reed's, Reed's a big Melton Wright fan. Yeah, I was for a little bit. Uh, uh-huh. You know, I, I don't think he's a star or anything, but he, he's, he's no David Bell. player in that Purdue but he, team. He is. You're damn right. Good receiver. Uh-huh. So Purdue next year – I'm going to say it now. Purdue's going to win the Big Ten West. They're my pick. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if Purdue ends up in the Rose Bowl. Right now, I have them at 10-2. and two. Losses Penn State week one and at Wisconsin in October. I think Purdue's going to go 10-2. and two. I think Purdue is going to win the Big Ten West and then get shellacked by Ohio State and Indianapolis. And there's going to be all the talk before. Oh, Ohio State, Purdue's spooky. Purdue has Ohio State's number. Spoiler makers. Uh, and Ohio State's going to come out a little bit flat at first, and then Ohio State's going to just – put their foot on the gas pedal, win the game. And uh, it's not going to be a competition, but I really like Purdue next season. Uh, It's not so much. I think that this is a roster that could go 10 and two against any schedule. I think it's a roster that can go 10 and two against this really soft schedule and uh, a favorable schedule is half the battle in the sport. And, uh, and Purdue certainly got number one momentum going into next season after this big win. And number two, uh, a lot of really good players, a strong offense, uh, a good head coach, I think a head coach who can scheme a fun offense and, a, and an offense that can score a lot of points, which is how you, you play the foil in the Big Ten West. And then uh, some some good players in the offensive side of the ball, some good skilled position guys, you know, Payne Durham and and Melton Wright. And they're going to bring in Samson James, the former IU running back. Uh, and and Aiden O'Connell, who, who's an inconsistent quarterback, but really has shown out in, in the last couple of, of weeks of the season. I, I do really like, though, by the way, my my biggest like MVP other than Jackson Smith and Jigba of any bowl game, uh, I, I think it has got to be Payne Durham from that one touchdown. He didn't have a, a huge game, or was it was it Brock Thompson or, or Payne Durham that had the? Uh, I think they they both had gigantic touchdown catches in that game because Purdue was scoring every five seconds. There were too many scoring plays for me to remember. Payne Durham shook off about six defenders on his way to the house down the sideline. If you remember that play read uh, in the fourth quarter, one of like six touchdowns in it, Brock Thompson, Payne Durham. uh, I don't believe Milton Wright played in this game, but uh, those guys, and I don't think Xander Horvath is going to be back next year. Uh, I'm not sure who the running back is going to be, I guess a mix of Doru and, uh, and Samson James. Plus they bring in Reese Taylor, the former Indiana cornerback who I think is a really good player who, who has struggled with injuries and, and kind of lost his way out of the rotation. And the one position group IU was good at last year and ends up in West Lafayette, which is weird, but uh, 
Purdue's going to have a really talented team next year, a really favorable schedule, and some skill position players who I think can go succeed at the next level. There's no reason why Purdue can't win 10 games next year. And I'm calling it right now. They're going to win 10 games. And uh, I'm going to say right now, Purdue is going to go to the Rose Bowl and lose to USC, but they're going to go to the Rose Bowl. That's a pretty specific pick. Um, yeah, yeah, you it, get their whole Rose Bowl mapped out, but I can mm-hmm. see it. I've got their whole season mapped out. They're going to, I said it again. I'm going to say it right now. This is for the Instagram clip when this inevitably happens. And, and listen, people, you can't call me a Homer for this one because this is my, my, my team's rival. So you, you can't call me a Homer. Uh, in fact, this is the most anti Homer take ever. Purdue is going to lose two games next year in the regular season, Penn state at Wisconsin. Then they're going to lose to Ohio state in the big 10 championship game, but it doesn't matter because with 10, 10 wins and three losses. They're going to go to the Rose Bowl as the Big Ten's representative. They're going to play against Caleb Williams in USC, assuming Caleb Williams transfers to USC, and USC is going to win that game by two scores. I got a feeling if I were you, I wouldn't have gone so specific with the two scores because, um, you know, the more specific you get, the more likely you are to be wrong. But I'll tell you, if you get every part of that right, I don't know what I would do. Um Obviously, you know, I mean, doesn't want to be right sweatshirt for you or from you for getting that, that <laughs> the safety that pick, pick all the, the safety, safety game. Pick. Yeah. Everybody I'll give remembers. you something. We'll come up with it. later. Uh, if it looks like it's going to happen, we'll come up with something. I feel like I need, I'm, I need, well, number one, I need to take that to a sports book, right. And, and make some money mm-hmm. off of it. But uh, I feel like you need like an all expenses paid vacation by some listener of the first and 10. If I, some Purdue fan for me speaking that into existence, I, I don't know. Pick your, pick your favorite. Purdue. Must have some rich fans. Goodness. Somebody. Yeah. There's got, oh, I don't know. Who's your favorite rich Purdue alum. There's gotta be someone like NASA. Drew Brees. Always, yeah. On, Drew Brees. Yeah. Drew Brees. If, if Purdue ends up going to the Rose bowl next year, fly me out to Pasadena. <laughs> to go see the Indiana Hoosiers. That's right. Play in the Rose bowl on January 1st, 2024. Would I wear, would I wear IU gear? If Purdue was in the Rose Bowl and I ended up going, yes, is the answer. Uh, and I would be embarrassed, but uh, I would anyway, because that is me. But uh, yeah, I am going to put my uh, my take on the line, my oddly specific take. That is going to be an Instagram click in, clip in January of 2023. And uh, it's either going to age poorly or age well. Either way, I'm happy because it either means I nailed the prediction or Purdue had a bad season. So. It's true. That is a true emotional head win-win. I can't lose. I cannot lose. All right. The rest of the Big Ten Bowl games we still have to talk about are pretty much just the boring ones. Games that either were not close or were not interesting. We're going to run through them quickly because we don't want to waste your time. Okay. First one. In the guaranteed rate bowl in Arizona, Minnesota 18-6 to against West Virginia. This, feel, this felt like a scoregami. Very weird score. Uh Minnesota ended up winning nine games this year. Nine Minnesota happened again. Another successful season for PJ Fleck. Uh, and Minnesota's defense, we didn't talk about it a ton this season because Minnesota, I, w- I wrote them off after the Bowling Green loss. They really fought back and, uh, and they had a great season. We saw a big man touchdown in this game. Uh, but Minnesota's defense, I think, is the story of this, giving up just six points to a, a pretty solid Big 12 offense. Uh, I think West Virginia ultimately was just outmatched. Minnesota's a much better team. Minnesota's defense incredible uh and indiana brought in minnesota's defensive line coach to be its new defensive coordinator so uh maybe that translates over to the hoosier defense but yeah not a ton to say here read any thoughts on the gophers winning nine games this year nine minnesota one of the original rjm crystal ball picks classic big 10 type of bowl game i'll tell you my grandpa who is from ohio uh played high school football 
back in his day. He was <laughs> we got to his house the day after this game took place. He was watching this game recorded um while the cheese it bowl between Clemson and Iowa State was going on. <laughs> he was talking about how much he loves these and he didn't know the result of the game. He watches recorded sports a lot. He was talking about how much he loves these defensive battles. Um and that kind of that made me chuckle. But yeah, good win by Minnesota. Way to come back after the original that embarrassing sicko. loss. Um, and yeah, who would have thought this team would win nine games? Who would have thought, especially after that bowl? Yeah, after that bowling green loss, like you said, uh, who in a million years would have thought? Credit to PJ Fleck, one of the best head coaches in the Big Ten. Next game, Maryland blowing out Virginia Tech. I had Maryland winning this game, uh, but not like this. Virginia Tech looked like they didn't want to be there. Uh th- this is what I think the the ultimate like accumulation of Maryland football with all these players with Talia and with, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. Demas who didn't play, but, but Jarrett, you know, all these guys who they've gotten over the years, it felt like this an offensive firepower game uh, was what they were due for at some point. And, uh, and this was that to a T Really impressive win by Maryland uh, against the Virginia Tech team who, yeah, just kind of looked like uh, they were going through the motions there. Didn't even have a head coach. Now they have a head coach, Brent Pry, the former uh, Penn State defensive coordinator. But, yeah, interim head coach. Didn't want to be there. Boring game, New York City. Uh, not, not even a fun location. It's cold. It's in a baseball stadium. Don't you dare hate on the pinstripe. Ball. I love that the pinstripe. Is- it's not like – but when I can get from the player's perspective how they're like they would rather be in Florida, you know. They don't want to be playing in a baseball stadium. It's weird. Uh, I like the pinstripe bowl. I'm a pinstripe bowl guy. Like, don't do not do of not. Of course, I'm not a football player, but but if I had to rank bowl games that I would want to play in, like not not like obviously you want to play in the Rose Bowls and the Sugar Bowls, but but not not based on prestige, just on coolness of venues and stuff. Pinstripe bowls up there. I think that probably I, like a lot of the guys I think would rather have the Florida vacation. And I understand now. that. I understand. Instead that. of hey, being like cold, we cold are we're a lot of things on this podcast. We are not haters of the new era no i am not but i'm saying from their perspective i get it it's not exciting but i love it uh virginia tech didn't look like they wanted to be there reed do you have any thoughts other than that yeah i mean great job for maryland to go out and and get a big win like this i would say it it felt like more of a virginia tech loss than a maryland win but i mean in fair in fairness to maryland they showed up when they needed to got a good win and people people forget how much of a momentum builder winning a bowl game can be and how you know, what kind of positive things that can lead to in, in the next season. So that's big for Maryland to go out and, and finally have a, a big win like this with this recruiting class. It's been talked about for a while. Uh, good for Maryland. Way to get it done. Go Big Ten. Go Big Ten indeed. All right, next game, Michigan State pit in the battle of two teams who didn't have their best player. Uh, so it doesn't even really count as Michigan State and Pitt, more like uh, the ghost of Michigan State and Pitt. Uh, Sparty, a gigantic fourth quarter, 21 unanswered, comes back to beat Pitt in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Uh, really good win, capping off an awesome season for the Spartans. 11 wins in a season where a lot of them, a lot of people picked them to finish, if not at the bottom, near the bottom of the Big Ten East. What a year for the now very, very rich Mel Tucker. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, with, with no Kenneth Walker – I liked what I saw from Thorne and Reed. Um, I think uh, as far as I am aware. Reed, Reed and Naylor, excellent, excellent game. And yeah, I, it, I, I've been, ta- I've been banging aware. the drum on, on Jalen Naylor as the most underrated receiver in the Big Ten for a while. Yeah. So I'm, I'm with it. As far as I'm aware, 
Um, there's no news on whether or not Reed's going to the draft. He's still considering. Have you heard any any more news on that front? I have not. Let's okay. Google it real quick. Just because I searched it earlier, I couldn't find anything. Um, but I think if Reed stays in Michigan State, I, I don't think Michigan State's gonna. Oh, he's have... back. He's officially said he's staying. He's back. That is good. That that's terrific for Sparty. And, and I think with him, I don't think they're gonna end up getting ten wins again, or you know, competing for a Big Ten championship, whatever. But I think with – I liked what I saw from Thorne and his top receivers in this game. Um, I think with that duo still intact, this Michigan State team can pull off, you know, something in the vicinity of eight and four, nine and three if they get lucky and, you know, get, you know, exceed expectations. But I think this should be a solid Sparty team next year. Mm-hmm. They, I don't think they'll reach the level they did with Walker. but They'll make the Outback Bowl. Yeah, they'll make a solid bowl game. You know, they'll maybe give some of the top teams in the Big Ten a good game. Um, you know, people, they'll be in conversations for, you know, being, you know, people will be debating about where to rank them. They'll be a solid team. Um, I, I thought I saw some optimistic things from the Spartans, Spartans team. And yeah, I mean, what more can you say? Solid bowl win, you know, after a horrible loss to Ohio state, they come back and beat Penn state in a blizzard. And then they beat a pit team where, you know, granted they didn't have picket, but it's still a pretty solid pit team. Uh, credit to Tucker, credit to all of his guys, you know, way to bounce back. And what a terrific year. Look at the season as a whole. What a terrific season for them. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Very, very good year for Michigan state. Next game, the SRS distribution, Las Vegas bowl, by the way, I know the next time I have needs in the world of construction product distribution, I'm going to talk to <laughs> SRS distribution because they sponsored the Las Vegas bowl game. I watched after like one in the morning, uh, east coast time last month uh what a weird game big 10 west after dark graham mertz after dark i remember before the game i text reed i'm like graham mertz masterclass incoming this is going to be the wisconsin game all over again he threw a pick on the next play i think after or maybe it was before the game but it was like on some possession i'm like here comes graham mertz this is it because <laughs> he had made he made like one good play at, at some point um like, this is it. This is the Graham Mertz coming out party. He's back. He's going to be good. We swear this time. Because uh, me and Reed still, I think, somewhere deep in our hearts believe in Graham Mertz. <laughs> no matter how many examples of the contrary we've been given, I still believe in Graham Mertz at least a little bit, even though I know I shouldn't. In my head, I'm like, oh, Wisconsin's got so much potential to quarterback with Graham Mertz, even though on the field we've seen for two years now that Graham Mertz isn't very good. Uh, I'm like, this is it. This is going to be the Graham Mertz game. And then he had a really incredibly Graham Mertz outing 11 for 15, 137 yards, a touchdown and a pick. He wasn't the story of the game though. The story of the game was Jaden Daniels, who was terrible. And a guy who was, had all the talent in the world when he committed to Arizona state committed to Herm Edwards program uh, has really just not panned out as a passer. He can run, he can move. He's, he's one of the best mobile quarterbacks uh, I think in the country, but man, he can just not throw a forward pass to save his life. 159 yards, uh, 11 for 21 and a pick for him. So, so Reed, any thoughts on this game, a, a pretty boring game, but Hey, we got big 10 West after dark and not often. Can you say that you're watching big 10 football after one o'clock East coast time? And, and that's exactly what we got to do in this game. And uh, I stayed up for it just because I decided that uh it was such a rare occasion that I had to celebrate uh, because, you know, I like to watch as much bowl season as I can, you know, 
because once once we hit you know June July and I really miss college football more than I do even right now without college football uh I can start like just saying at least I soaked it all in while I could and I did I watched a Wisconsin game after one o'clock eastern time so uh that was the notable thing for me is that we got Big Ten West after dark so Reed any thoughts from you on this pretty boring game of football where nobody could complete a forward pass well, I just say about the Big Ten West after dark thing. Why are you saying that? Like it's a good thing. Who wants to? St- I mean, I, I know you do because I you're do. A sicko, but yeah, I'm disgusting. Who who wants to stay up past midnight to watch Arizona State <laughs> play football? I mean, come on. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna raise my hand. But I just I love the sport too much to not. You know, I love the sport, but I mean, God, a, a man's got to sleep. <laughs> I mean, goodness I gracious. Break. I was on break, living it up. You know, me, you know, when, when people are back home on break, you know, oh, I'm going to go, go out and party, go out to the bars, whatever. No, I'm going to, I'm going to stay up in my living room at my parents' house until one in the morning watching Wisconsin football. Well, I think that's me. I mean, I, over break, <laughs> I have a horrible sleep schedule. I'm getting to sleep late, Same. but I mean, even then I was, I was too tired to, to really soak this game in. I mean, I get that the game's in Vegas, but it, that's just a real, that's just horrible to, to put a game at what was it, was it un- nine eight thirty or nine thirty I forget it, yeah uh, local kicked, time for yeah, Wisconsin fans it, it was so unfair I think to Wisconsin fans for it to kick that late it was yeah I think it was ten thirty east nine thirty central I think it was the yeah answer. or um, whether it was that or nine thirty east eight thirty central whatever it was you know no game should ever start at eight thirty local time uh-huh. um and, and I say that you know the you know, worst eight, thing for me eight thirty local time I think is okay um, well I guess the NFL for professional does sports week, where it's out um, west. But I'll say as a no, the, fan, the NFL does it. The NFL does eight thirty kicks every week, and it's fine. Oh, that's true. I'm not used to that no, uh, on Sunday. Now, time, now I, a nine thirty kick, I think local time, ten thirty Eastern. Yeah, uh, ten thirty Eastern is what I, I believe this game was. Uh, nine thirty in Madison. That is not fair. So uh, Sunday night football, for example, kicks eight thirty, eight twenty five, whatever in in New York on Eastern time and kicks at 7.30 Central. So that's two hours later than usually the latest local sporting event in Wisconsin. That is, I think, just unfair to their fans, unfair to their alumni, unfair to everyone back home in Madison. And obviously the school didn't choose for that to happen, and it's not their fault in the slightest. But it just it just sucks for all, for all of them. I, I feel really bad for their fans that they had to stay up for that game, especially uh, when it was such a lousy performance, I think, from both teams, a really boring game of football. Did you know Braylon, yeah, I agree. Allen? Um, you know Braylon Allen's only 17, by the way? Have you heard cool. that before? Did, did you cool. know that? No, I didn't hear what you said. You cut out for a second. Oh, Bray- Braylon Allen. Did you know he's only 17? Have you heard that before? No. It's almost as if the announcers have only said it about, I don't know, 100 times. That, that's my only clear memory from this game, other than Graham Mertz masterclass and coming interception, uh, is the announcers mentioning the fact that Braylon Allen is 17 years old about a hundred times. So uh, shout out to Braylon Allen, great running back, but uh, yeah, the, the announcers really love that stat. It's going to be like the uh, he's permanently 17 years old in my mind. That's going to be like <laughs> the, uh, the Ryan Fitzpatrick Harvard of the big 10. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know, he went to Harvard. Well, hell, hell, in the NFL, what, when I watch Colts games, they they've almost like, modified that for jonathan taylor they say jonathan taylor got into harvard he's like do you know jonathan taylor got into harvard during every Colts game? like i watch this team every week i know this now i I don't care (laughs) 
<laughs> he didn't go to Harvard. He went to Wisconsin. Why did we mention this? Anyway, uh, two more Big Ten Bowl games to talk about for us. Moving on just really abruptly uh, because there's not much to say here. Penn State and Arkansas. Penn State, three scoreless quarters, 10 points only, 24-10 to 10 loss after I picked them to win. Uh, what a sleepwalking performance for Penn State. They did not look like they wanted to be there. Uh, I don't have anything to say here. Penn State, move on to next year, and, and you hope next year is better if you're Penn State. But, yeah, really forgettable, I mean, for the entirety really forgettable of this game in a really forgettable season. Yeah. Yeah, for the entirety of the season, after they had lost Illinois and they started tanking the rankings, mm-hmm. I still believe in them. I thought they were a 20s or so ranked team. Same here. I kept thinking, you know, every week I was like, all right, this is the week. Penn State can do better. Themselves. Penn State can do better. Penn State can do better. How exactly. many times and, did they tell myself did. that? They never did. They never did. And never it's did. a shame. I thought they were against that they were going to against Arkansas. Didn't happen. It's a shame. Come on, Penn State. Yeah. D- disgusting game of football. Uh, and another bad game of football. Iowa Hawkeyes, 17-20 to 20 loss to the Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, Iowa didn't look particularly interesting until the second half. Uh, neither of these teams did, to be fair. But uh, Jack Allison, his Kentucky Wildcats, got the win. We were going to have him on this podcast to talk about it and all the other Big Ten games. Unfortunately, the schedules didn't work out. Jack will be on very soon for an episode. We know you guys have missed him on the show. So uh, we're bringing back one of our favorite guests. Uh, so shout out to Jack, his cats getting the win over Iowa. Reed, it did not look like to me Iowa has an offense. And I know we've said that a billion times this year, but particularly without Tyler Goodson, uh, Iowa is going to struggle on offense next season. I don't see Spencer Petras being their quarterback. Uh, and unfortunately for them, it seems like Brian Ferentz is going to be their offensive coordinator and he cannot coordinate an offense. So uh it feels like more of the same from Iowa in this bowl game. And uh, next year, I, I think 10 game, 10 wins this year is impressive. And that's something that should be celebrated next year. They will win seven or eight and they'll, they'll regress back to the mean. Yeah. I mean, this game, it, it, it was just, it was just quintessential Iowa football this year. It wasn't, you know, the sexy game that you want to watch. It, it was, it was just that was the kind of game you're like, all right, when's this going to be over? When are we going to get the Rose Bowl on TV? You know, when is the real New Year's Day action going to be going to get going? You know, there was one more point. Oh, <laughs> um, you know, your point about Spencer Petrus, um, it still just makes me laugh when I saw a video on YouTube uh, a few months ago. This is before Petrus had played for Iowa. And the thumbnail, it was like a welcome to Iowa episodes of features. Thumbnail said, the next John Elway? Question mark. <laughs> did, I, I mean, did I send that to you or was that? No, I found that on my own. You found I that. That. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't get much better than that. Do you still have that? I didn't screenshot it, but like I can find it, I bet. I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Google it right now, but I bet you I can find it pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is such thing as clickbait and then there is just disgusting lies villainous content comparing spencer petrus before he took a snap at iowa to john elway i i, I am at a loss for words how do you do that how do you do that <laughs> That almost needs that. We didn't do a trivia question this week. Here it is. Uh, I just I typed in the end of the search bar. Spencer Petrus preview. 
Here it is. Meet the future of Iowa football. Parentheses, <laughs> Spencer Peters. Thumbnail, picture of him. The next John Elway. Not even next John Elway, question mark. Just the next John Elway. It's a statement of fact. <laughs> and then, and then get this. This is the real kicker. And this is what really oh, got no. us when I said oh, it no. to you. Oh, no. Um, the I don't remember says, this weirdly. Iowa always one. produces good quarterbacks. Oh! Next in line. <laughs> and then they, I believe in the video, they talked a little bit about how great Nate Stanley is. Um, <laughs> you, you know, listen, you can say what you will about Petrus, but he makes Nate Stanley look like a god in comparison. He makes Nate Stanley look awesome. True. And we ragged on Nate Stanley in that 2019 season we were doing the show, but man, Pedras is just something else. And, and I remember coming, going into 2020, I was not sold on Iowa because of him in particular. I watched his high school tape uh, and the very few snaps he had taken at Iowa. And I said, this is just not the guy. Uh, and Iowa has won in spite of that. And, and to his credit, uh, he's won football games for the Hawkeyes. And, and I don't know if it's entirely just his fault. I think a lot of it's scheme and a lot of it's Brian Ferentz, but yeah, uh, not the guy. Iowa's got to change something on offense. It, it's such a shame that these Iowa defenses and offensive offensive lines go to waste every single year with just poor passing play. Uh, I, I mean, look, just the stat line from from uh, from Petrus in this game. It's it's just let me let me read it real quick. It's Spencer Petrus against Petrus. Excuse me, I always botch his name. Uh, 19 for 30, one touchdown and three picks, 57 quarterback rating. Will Levis, who also struggled to throw forward passes when he was a Big Ten player at Penn State, completely bodied him in every single respect and obviously expected that. But, man, when you, when you just think about it, the guy who I was like, yeah, Will Levis is a running back or a tight end uh, at Penn State when I was when I was like – floating those takes when he was the Penn state quarterback for parts of last year over Sean Clifford. Uh, that guy made Spencer Petrus look like an absolute Joe, which he is un unfortunately, I guess for everyone involved, but uh, he's not the guy. And I don't think Ference is the guy either for Iowa, Brian, not Kirk. Kirk just got a big old extension for another decade, basically for the rest of, of until like I think 2028 was the year. Uh yeah, something's got to change on offense for Iowa or else these tremendous defenses are just going to continue to go to waste. How many years have we been saying that? Um, How many years, right? Yeah. All right. That's it from me, Reed. Anything else from you as we do our final episode of the 2021 Big Ten football season, our third year? I just want to say, like, this is, this is going to be a year where – Years from now, decades from now, we're going to look back at this as one of the best college football seasons of all time. All I the you know, crazy upsets, shuffling around in the top tens and and top in the top twenty five. This year was filled with chaos. You know, you had this was a year where where there was, you know, for, for years it had been Ohio State, Alabama, Oklahoma, Clemson, and Clemson in the playoff. All of a sudden, Oklahoma and Clemson aren't even in the New York sixth. Michigan State goes from a two win team to a 10 win team um and all kinds all, of wild surveillance how many Group of five team makes the playoff I how mean, many preseason ranked teams ended up being horrible let me read you this stretch by the way shout out to reed he got me this framed picture of my uh my inaugural student media poll rankings let me read you these rankings from number 10 to number 21 in the country because i think they're pretty hilarious 
10 Oregon, 11 North Carolina. Oregon got blown out in their bowl game uh, after a pretty successful season. 11 North Carolina, under 500. 12 Wisconsin, mediocre at best. 13 Florida, under 500, fired their coach. 14 Miami, 500 season, fired their coach. 15 Indiana, 2 and 10. Uh, 16 LSU, under 500, fired their coach. 17 USC, under 500, fired their coach. 18 Iowa, actually a pretty good season. Uh, 19 Texas, under 500. 20 Penn State, 7 and 6, very much under expectations. 21 Washington, well under 500, fired their coach. So, I mean, those are just a handful of preseason ranked teams who all completely fell apart this season. And, and a lot of teams who were nowhere near the preseason rankings ended up winning nine or 10 games. So uh, yeah, crazy year of college football. And uh, it's sad that it's in the books, but I cannot wait until Labor Day weekend of next year. Hey, actually before that, we're going to have two week zero games in the Big Ten, Wyoming and Illinois and Northwestern and Nebraska are going to be games played in week zero. So uh, the weekend before Labor Day, we will see you with actual football. College football, will miss you. We'll see you soon. Uh, but that's not it for the first and 10. We'll have plenty of offseason content. So don't worry about us. We'll still be here, even if football's not. So with that being said, that'll do it for the 2021 Big Ten football season on the first and 10. And thank you for joining us all season long. For Reed Murray, I'm Patrick Feltz, and we will see you next time.